Dude, don't pray in between every single. Have you ever been in a service where it's like in between every single song, the worship leader's like, God, that really is the cry of our heart. <laughs> and then we'll just like summarize what we just sang. It's like, dude, we just sang that for four minutes. Like, you're, you're literally, that yeah. is what I do. Stop. You do not. That's, every single time I lead worship, I have to put in as much time for my for my diatribe as I do for the songs. It's the only way I bring any value. <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> no, Joel, a, YouTube's no. Joel OJ leading worship. Yeah. No, it's is like, this true? No, it's not. <laughs> Don't, no, seriously. Like they'll get up and they're like, "Hey guys, I just, you know, today I was reading my Bible." It's like, no, you weren't. Are we starting? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, episode nine. Episode nine. We have Joel O'Shea here. No, Falfer Softfoot is his name. <laughs> What's his name? So, uh, Falfer Softfoot. Falfer Softfoot. Bonjour. It is me, Falfer Softfoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's his D&D name. Is it really? I have a character that I play uh, weekly on a Dungeons & Dragons live stream who's called Falfer Softfoot. Okay, can we just stop for a second <laughs> and figure out what is happening on this podcast? So your name used to be Joel Ogier. It was at one point. Yeah. Which, which, that was... <laughs> there's so many things coming in my head right now. One of the reasons he told us last night that his music career didn't take off yeah. was because he had an unpronounceable last name. <laughs> Joel Augie. Well, I mean, Capstone <laughs> took off. It, well, so yeah, there yeah. was that. Well, his Joel OJ one, though. Yeah, my my solo career could never succeed. Uh, yeah, but you didn't really try. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Integrity's like here's here's a hundred thousand dollars, make a record. Yeah, he makes a record, and then he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not <laughs> what happened. I tried on the record, but then my. My um, my internet gaming career, like building <laughs> yeah. software, actually took off. Yeah. So okay. that stopped me. Okay, so this is this is actually great for a lot of worship leaders out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so so I met Joel. So Joel Joel was leading a band in Canada that was like when Dave Matthews Band was huge. Your band was like the Dave Matthews Band of worship. <laughs> That's I like good. That's a that's a fair. I mean, we were a jam band yeah. with a bunch of jazz musicians on it. Yeah, totally. so yeah. that's fair. And like the live shows were just like, wow, these guys are insane. Everybody knew that you guys were really good players. But then on top of all that, you have like, in my opinion, one of the best voices I've ever heard. Seriously. Yeah. So long story short, and then Joel is an insane songwriter. So he's like, he's like, think of like a guy who appreciates like Paul McCartney mm. and you know, Genesis, like mm. songwriting, but then really great voice. And then like this really great and an band. alter nerd as yeah, well. Totally alter nerd. So anyway, long story short, he, his band was huge in Canada um, in the nineties. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first saw you. I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. And I was like, capstone. It's insane. Which by the way, they were playing 300 shows. They did 300 shows in two and two years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, totally. I believe that because they were playing. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then um, what happens is you start this company with with who? a friend with a friend yeah. another believer yeah i i quit i had to quit my music career because i guess i wasn't making any money and i had just gotten married <laughs> so right. Right. when michelle you know starts bringing in actual decent coin and that's call that 40 50 grand a year between two jobs yeah and i'm pulling in 800 a month <laughs> which is technically three thousand dollars below the poverty level in right. canada at the time right um there are things that needed to change. Sure, sure. You know? So so you start this company with your friend. Mm -hmm. And what was the idea behind it? 
Well, we basically, um, we were actually just learning about Facebook. We had a friend who was an early employee at Facebook and he called us up and he's like, hey, we noticed that you guys are doing online web apps, just like on the, the in, in browser web apps. And uh, this was what I was doing on the side just as a, as a side gig. Right. And he's like, we'd love to, if you guys would build stuff on Facebook. And at the same time, there was this other company in Toronto who wanted to use Facebook to reach out to business clients. Anyways, long story short, we ended up making one of the first games on Facebook okay. called Mouse Hunt. Okay. There were no games on Facebook at the time. Right. And it just like exploded just <laughs> within a month. Uh, within a month, we knew, holy crap, we are actually going to make money doing games right. on right. Facebook. Yeah. Um, and that get, that run that still runs today. Like we, it's our sixteenth year in operation. There's a bunch of employees in downtown Toronto. My my co-founder Brian still runs it. I'm the the bystander <laughs> of uh, just of of a blessing that happened in the '90s and early 2000s. That's or, crazy. Or the mid 2000s. Sorry. And yeah. like, it, and it, one of the games uh, I believe is called Mouse Hunt. Yeah. And like, I remember when, when I met you. Like we kind of. I, I was about twenty. Four twenty-five years old. Yeah, and you told me that one in eleven Singaporeans was playing mouse hunt. Yeah, was playing mouse hunt. <laughs> yeah, it was just huge in right. Singapore. Right, huge in the in the in like East Asia. Just a massive right. Game can, they, can you play it anywhere still? You can still play it on Facebook. It's the longest running game on Facebook. And they, they, they and people buy virtual cheese. Yep, in mouse hunt. Yeah, they, it's like any like we were the we introduced virtual goods on Facebook. So prior to prior to Mouse Hunt, there was no game on Facebook where you could buy a virtual good and increase your gameplay or make it better or be better, you know, succeed in the game. Right. So we were the we were the initiators of that whole space, and that's now a multi billion dollar social gaming is a multi billion dollar industry now. Right. Right. So what came after right. you, Farmville? Yep. Yeah, Farmville. There's a bunch of other Jet Jetman. Did you guys ever play Jetman? Oh yeah, Jetpack Jet, Jet, Jet Jetman. Yeah. yeah, Clash. I play Clash. Yeah, Clash Royale. Clash Royale is amazing. Yeah. I, I remember my parents got in an argument one time because my mom was spending too much money on Farmville. Okay, get this. <laughs> oh my god. So I get called into Mike Coleman from Integrity Music's office because I'm signed to Integrity Music at this point, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and he sits me down and he's like, Joel. Uh, he was the president and founder of Integrity Music, by the way. He he calls me in and he's like, Joel, really love you know your songs. Um, you know, thanks for joining the team. I'd like for you, if you could, to send an email to the staff asking them not to play Mouse Hunt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because, because it was too. It's become a workplace distraction. distraction. They were all, there's a bunch of staffers at Integrity who were just playing Mouse Hunt every day instead of so actually why, doing work. That's that's why your record died. <laughs> that's why they You died. actually self-sabotaged. I know, right? The A&R <laughs> team was just playing Mouse Hunt. So I succeeded in the end yeah. in a different way. Totally. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. You got them. I got <laughs> so, dude, so then, so then you do, that, that. obviously the company continues to, to a ton flourish. Of game. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then... Um, you started. Tell me about like this Dungeons and Dragons thing because this is definitely going to be controversial. Yeah. Yes. Which we have some questions about this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously am is a, Lord, a of, Lord of the Rings. Flex? I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. Yeah. I'm a you know I like wizards. Yeah. I love I love all that stuff. Zelda. Zelda exactly. Harry Potter. Link. I'm into all of it. Adventure mm-hmm. Link. Okay. 
<laughs> um, so, so talk to me about this, like what you're doing now, which is literally funnier than everything that we've talked about now. And yeah. you're, and at the, and, and the end of the day, you're a, like, you're a worship leader. That's how people know you. Mm-hmm. But you have all these like strange hobbies, and he that run, make a lot of money. And he's on the executive team for the big, one of the biggest Christian broadcast networks oh, as yeah. well yeah, in yeah. Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How, the the D and D thing came about. So one of my worship leader friends, yeah, uh, <laughs> had uh, this amazing garage set up. He invited me to his place one time. Like we hadn't we hadn't spoken in years. He's like. Uh, but I was consulting at World Vision Canada at the time, and he was an employee there. He invites me to his house, says, hey, man, we should play D&D sometime. I was like, dude, my brothers played it when I was an early teen. So I was terrified of the game because uh, my brother had this box of this the milk crate in his closet that he hid from my parents, which had all of the monster books from Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. So I would sneak in there and like read all about all these monsters and be like, oh man, this is amazing. But I didn't, I didn't play. I wanted to play so bad as a teen. Right. And then one of my friends in high school um, lived in the trailer park. He was like, uh, an, he was on the fringe of society. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Trailer park. In the trailer park. Yeah. And he would invite me to come and play at his house. Is this in, in French, Quebec is or this in French, uh, speaking, French this is, speaking Ontario? This is in Espanola, Ontario, in way northern Ontario. Yeah. Um, so, so Ontario is an English-speaking state. It's where Toronto is. But if you keep going like north, everybody starts to it's basically speak, speak French. Everyone up top yeah. speaks French. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we're... The Cœur de Bois. Kirkland, <laughs> <laughs> Ontario, you know. My daddy, my daddy talks like this. It's a really strange French accent. My way, my way. So, so yeah. Anyways, I got invited to play Dungeons and Dragons by this guy, and I loved it and played it kind of for a few years at the end of high school. And Are you a Christian yet? No. Um, then Jason, my friend, who's another worship leader, um, invites me to come and play Dungeons and Dragons at his house. And I kid you not, his garage was like the size of this room. But it was fully decked out like a middle, uh, like a medieval tavern. Cool. <laughs> like we're talking about like ant antler, deer antler, chandeliers, a fire, fire sconces around the room, like just decked out. And I was like, dude, we cannot, we cannot play Dungeons and Dragons in here and not stream this on the internet. <laughs> We have to stream this. No one has gone to these lengths right. for Dungeons and Dragons online. Like other people are playing and it's super popular online and there's a bunch of people doing live streaming, but no one is doing it like this. Right. That's dedication. Yeah. So um, so he agreed. We're like, okay, so let's play every Monday. We'll just we'll just live stream our games. We our sessions are three hours long. And we start building this audience of people who come and watch us play Dungeons and Dragons on Twitch and on YouTube for three hours every Monday. And is this still going? Well, we just restart. We're on season five of this campaign called Into the Mist. <laughs> oh my god! It gets better. Okay. And uh, so, so yeah, so we're we're playing. Siaso. Um, Sorry. Siaso. What's Siaso? So Yasso. So Yasso. Siaso. Siaso. <laughs> it's a Canadian thing. I say it. Yasso. Siaso. Yeah. <laughs> we 
decide that um, that we should get a sponsorship. So we go after sponsors and we get Wizards of the Coast, owned by Hasbro, who own Dungeons and Dragons to sponsor our series and effectively pay us to make this content. And um, <laughs> and then just a whole bunch of other sponsors come alongside, and now there's a bunch of Christians in a room, <laughs> right? Playing like childhood friends, mm -hmm. playing Dungeons and Dragons online. And we have, we are fielding all these different discussions about like, wait a second, wasn't there a satanic panic around Dungeons and Dragons in yeah, the 80s? That's what I remember. Yeah. So like, there's a whole bunch of folklore around what happened with Dungeons and Dragons in the, in the 80s. Um, some kids influenced by the game started kill, supposedly killing other people and having like these, these satanic rituals. And it's just like, it's all just... It's all just no one can actually trace the real places where this information comes from. Right. It was. It was. So you guys have watched Stranger Things, of course. You, yeah, that's okay. how it opens up with it. The scene in Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. So it's like that's kind of the kind of story that that is known in folklore around Dungeons and Dragons. Like right. this town freaks out because the kids are playing D and D, and it has to do with satanic ritual, and that's why there was the satanic. Panic. So that's just a narrative. It's the it's the narrative of, of, but ultimately, it's it's a collective of individuals writing a story together. So that's what it is. So but what listen? Is, so what? The sickest thing about what they do yeah. is you can buy into the you can interact with the game while you're watching while yeah. you're streaming it. So in our live streams, even this this week coming up, um, we have a Discord server. And if you're part of the Discord, you your actions within the world impact what we get to do in the game on the live stream. So, like, you can buy us weapons. You can help build up our... <laughs> That's so sick. So, it's yeah. got an entire economy yeah. inside their game. Yeah. It's pretty it's And pretty it affects epic. the gameplay. It's genius. It's so fun. So, like, can you, like... Are, are you guys making enough money where you could do this full time? We have a full time employee who's like basically <laughs> running. He is the so Jason, who is the founder, mm -hmm. is a like fully full time employee of the company, and the the rest of the voice actors and kind of actors are paid to be there to play. So yeah, so like you can, there are many people who are playing Dungeons and Dragons full time. That's insane. Can you actually beat the game? Or do you no. just keep going? It's, you just keep going. Like our campaign's been going for years. There are people who have been playing Dungeons and Dragons with the same crew since the 80s. Wow. Like there, it's it's truly a remarkable storytelling mechanism. It's like one guy's in control and he controls the environment and the world. And then the other the players are reacting to what he's describing. And that's what the game is. So do you use, how do you parent your kids who would hear about the negative things about Dungeons and Dragons as Christians, like Christian parents? Yeah, so what, a, yeah, so what are, so what are the, what are the, to, 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 like to just to piggyback, what are some of the objections that people use? They mm. say that, like when people say it's satanic, what's up with that? I don't know. I've, I've never come across anything that's been even remotely concerning about the game. I think the main the main issue is the ignorance about what it actually is. Yeah. The ro maybe the rolling of dice. You know what I mean? Like, right. is it a satanic <laughs> die? <laughs> no, it's just a. It's just another. It's a polyhedra. It's a. It's a die. It has multiple faces, and it gives you roll results. The roll results determine whether or not you what kind of response you get to an environmental effect. Yeah. So, so There's, is there like um, creatures, mythical creatures? 
And yeah, like there are there's a book of of monsters that are kind of built into the gameplay, but no different than any PlayStation or right, right, right. RPG game. There are monsters you fight. There this is this is what I love about it. Let me tell you what I love about it. Yeah. I'm able to build scenarios for my kids cuz I've played D&D with my kids. I'm able to build scenarios for my kids that delineate the difference between good and evil. Right. And then have them have to make decisions that are either right decisions or wrong decisions and do it as a collective. Like, what should we do in this terrible scenario? Right. You know, do, do we save this child from this monster? <laughs> do we like fight? Yeah. Like actual ethical challenges and see them progress through these challenges. That's cool. Um, name me an environment where that's an easy t- task to have kids do these days. Where you are participating as a parent. Right. It just does doesn't not exist. Yeah, doesn't exist. Yeah. Doesn't exist. So Dungeons and Dragons for me is an opportunity for me to have have discussions about faith because there are faith discussions in the game. Have discussions about ethics and morality in a context that other people are willing to have those discussions. That's right. So that's why I love it. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Can I ask a question about it? Mm-hmm. How does it differ from like Warcraft? Like, what's your opinion on Warcraft? I mean, what's the difference between the two games? I mean, the the rules for character progression, for updating your character, all of that, it comes from Dungeons and, Dra- Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, modern RPGs are based largely on the mechanics and rules of Dungeons and Dragons. So, th- it differs very little. It differs very little, except in the improvisational storytelling element so in like warcraft the world is built already the narrative is built already you're playing in someone else's story in dungeons and dragons the 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 game master is laying out a foundation for the story but you are collectively with your friends telling it Mm. like i react this way and some other dude on the other side of the table is is going to be yeah okay but this is what i do next you know what i mean like you are sharing in an improvisational story together interesting yeah it's really, really. It sounds like the first like multiplayer um, narrative. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which, by the way, apparently, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but is it true that Modern Warfare Two, the new uh, Call of Duty game, has multiplayer for um, for story? Oh, do you remember Rainbow Six? Yeah, Rainbow Six. I loved Rainbow Six. Yeah, Rainbow Six had a thing where you and your campaign? friends multiplayer can, can campaign. All, yeah, multiplayer yeah. campaign. Yes. See, because that's what this is. Yeah. And multiplayer campaign is like, that's freaking sick. It's so fun to like, I'm going to move this story in this direction. And then your teammates or your friends going like, man, I don't want to do that. I want to go over here. And having to negotiate those things in a game context is really, really fun. That's it's cool. super fun. So yeah, so that's why that's how I that's how I I skirt the issues. So are there of are there like um wizards and witches and stuff in 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 Dungeons Absol- and Dragons? Absolutely, no no less than there are in any Harry Potter novel or sorry, any sorry. Lord of the Rings yeah. novel. Yeah, and and are the witches and wizards are they good or bad or how does it work? Yeah, they're 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 generally evil. If you're meeting up with a monster that's fighting against you, you are trying to do something noble. They are trying to destroy your ability to do so. Got you. Okay, so so you are. 
Okay, got you. So, so the the witches and the wizards are always bad guys. Um, the, yeah, or they can be NPCs, non-player characters. So they might help the the the, the storyteller, the game master, help move the narrative forward yeah, in yeah. your campaign. Right. Like, there's goals. Like, you we're all trying to fight this evil dude, right. and there are characters along the way that are crafted so to move that story forward. Right. So, are you are you a human? In in world in Dungeons and Dragons, um, there are many many classes and, well, and Softfoot is he's a he's a half he's a halfling, so he would be like a hobbit mm. from Lord cool. of the Rings. Yeah, so he's a he's a four I think he's four feet two inches tall, and a diminutive version of myself. <laughs> that right. is so uh. awesome. <laughs> Do you dress up? No, not no. I'm not that deep into it. Like I love the game, but I would. I've worn a wig at times to, um, because he has really curly hair, um, but he really is just a small version of me. Right. So, and with a really thick French accent. <laughs> really? And, yeah. Do, do you so think- like every, every time I go on the show, I'm like, this is how I speak to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's kind of warm and welcoming. I miss that, that French, that yeah. French accent around. Yeah. If you go Northern Ontario, you'll, you'll get people who speak to you that way. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Can I'd, singles meet on this? On D and D? Yeah. Like through the network. Well, there's through, <sighs> through your channel. Oh, through our channel. I'm, I'm sure we've had people get married who've met on our yep. on our Discord, so Same. yeah. So, so, so I us. guess technically, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had yeah. like we've had multiple couples marry, like get like meet each other in the Theosu comment section. Yeah, <laughs> it's stinking hilarious. Check that out, Kevin Max. Yeah, <laughs> is he coming? Uh, he's like, hey, give me a shot when you're done. Oh, okay. uh, no, that's rad. Dude. Oh, yeah, to top it all fun. off, there, there's the. Hasbro has sponsored a cruise. Yeah, so so D and um, so there's this cruise called D three at Sea, which is Dungeons and Dragons at Sea, basically. And and so as part of as part of the community, they've sponsored this cruise and kind of brought a whole bunch. So my my dungeon master, game master Jason, is like paid to be on the cruise, and they paid us to be on this cruise to help. It's just it's like this big community. Sure. And where is it's, it's, it's next no, week? Yeah, it's no different than the K Love cruises, except for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Sorry, where 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 are you going on the cruise? Uh, the Caribbean. Right on. Yeah. How long is it? Eight days, I think. Eight days of Dungeons and Dragons and porting. You know, A San, uh, I think San Juan, and then um, somewhere in the Bahamas, and then back to Miami. Cool. I think. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not Haiti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it is, but I, I could be wrong. That would be. There's actually twist. one. There's actually a spot on the Disney cruise liner that stops in Haiti. I know, but they don't tell people. Yeah, <laughs> we call it a Caribbean <laughs> island. We just, we're just stopping here for some supplies. They, apparently, oh. they tell the people, "Oh, this is our own island." But it's like, no, that's Haiti, and that's a dude with a machete up on the hill. Yeah. Um, that's wild, dude. Yeah. So crazy. So, um. Yeah, it's it's this these conversations are pretty interesting because people lose their mind. I guess I wrote my parents wrote it off right away. Yeah, like the concept. So. I I think, I think anything magical, has the connotation of something spiritual potentially, mm-hmm. and so it's hard to conflate. It's or rather, it's easy to conflate one with the other and and, and confuse it for mysticism or for some kind of weird. Um, 
kind of spiritual thing. And there really isn't anything like that inside right. of D D. It's not like there's no prayer beforehand to a deity that doesn't exist. Right. There's no <laughs> you know, that's it's like it's it's really just a, a bunch of folks telling a story together. And it's yeah, anyways. What about fun. like other issues like gaming addiction? Do you find that? Um, that happens much more in from my in my previous life as <laughs> someone who built a Facebook game than it does with D and D. Yeah, yeah. And at least it's actually social. Yeah, you are face to face with other human beings yeah. doing something collaboratively, like in the you know in the hopes of having peaceful and wonderful fun together. You know what I mean, like I'm trying to do everything in my power not to have my kids play on devices. Every minute of every day. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, let's get around the table and tell a story together. I mean, I can't think of something more wholesome yeah. right now, given our current culture. I mean, that's but what you're saying about telling the story together. Yeah. Don't you think that's pretty profound, is the way the gospel is? That's absolutely. I mean, as an RPG player, like, how do you see scripture and story? Yeah, I th- I think... We were talking about this just the, the other day. Um, I think that... Uh, when we consider that, you know, Paul probably in the in his epistles didn't fully consider the fact that two thousand years later there would be people whose whole lives were changed because of the 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 letters that he wrote. Like, it, like obviously he knew he was participating in a greater story. He knew it because he was doing it, and we are the recipients of that participation in the story. But what he mustn't have known was that millennia later, there would be whole cultures that were entirely structured around the values and the approaches to life that he was writing about, right? So like the, the Gospels, the Epistles, and, and really the foundational uh, works of the Old Testament as well are, are this collection of of inspired stories and narrative that allow us to live our lives well. I mean, you know, in in the in the deepest sense of well. I don't just mean like from a performative perspective. I mean from a loving perspective. And it's and I don't think I don't think there's any more valuable thing than that. I don't think that they've even fully understood how they were participating in what the telling of God's story would look like, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I think story, I think the universe is made up of story first. That's my strong belief, mm-hmm. that um, that as human beings, we are built to understand the hero's journey. We're built to understand what the value of suffering is, we don't necessarily live that today. We don't want suffering. But when we look at our ideals and we look at the folks that we want to follow, the people we value most in our lives are the people we can point to and say, they went through that and got through it because of who they were holding on to. I want to be like that. There's very few people who would choose their heroes as uh, pedantic or like um, sycophants who who care very little about life or caring for others. You always value the people who love and perform love before all other examples, right? Just whether you're a believer or not, you don't, um, you don't form your life around people you don't admire. You hope to be something. You hope to be like someone. 
right? And so, so yeah. Um, question about that. So is that just sparked a thought? Isn't Job chronologically first? They would, yeah. Isn't that argued? Mm-hmm. And like that's like the one of the first stories of suffering. That kind of just made me think of that. Well, I think yeah, you know what you're saying, Joel, is profound because in in literary criticism, especially in hermeneutics, Bible interpretation, there's a lot of work out now about how telling the story is so important, and maybe modern approaches or contemporary approaches to that has sort of discarded the story mm. in Scripture. It's become topical preaching. It's become subjects. It's become more instructional versus actually gathering together <clears throat> to tell the story of God. Mm-hmm. And there's 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 shifts in hermeneutics back to that. Yeah. There's shifts in approaches back to that because they see the importance of storytelling. Yeah. Okay, so if you're wondering about narrative, well, we have a course on DSU called Narrative Hermeneutics, and you could understand how the scripture and this movement in theology that's happening at the moment right now um, talks about story and how to interpret story and how to develop story rather than being topical all the time. It's kind of cool stuff. And Chris is the one who taught it. So that's pretty sweet. Get it now. Go on BSU. Get your subscription. Don't be weird. What he said. For sure. I think when Christ is is giving the example of the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine, what he's telling you is a story about how to remember the story. Mm-hmm. He's actually getting you to participate in the retelling of the story. So Jesus himself is using narrative context to give you the value of what you believe. He wants you to understand what you are claiming, and he's doing that through story. I'm giving you my blood. I'm giving you my flesh. I'm tearing it apart for you. Participate in this through the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine, right? So it's like, if the if the savior of the universe is willing to use story to convince the generations they should follow him, I think that's good enough for us. So Mark is like the original game master. <laughs> okay. And then Matthew and Luke, you know, and John are fell for softfoot. I love yeah. that it's are going the, are exactly. the party. They're playing in there. You know, they're <laughs> they're playing, but Mark is the <laughs> is the story master. <laughs> Right, <laughs> marking priority, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. So they're the first Dan- yeah. Dungeons and Dragons guys. I love it. I think there's an argument and to be this made. This is a chapter in a book. And, and writing a letter yeah. is that's just streaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the Gospels it. are yeah. just you know like I mean look I'm, you know anytime I'm reading a book I'm just streaming that author. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's you're you're, actually really you're totally right. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're streaming. What's the yeah, dice? Yeah. Every time you read the Bible, it's just yeah. streaming. Yeah, and the Roman roads are the internet connection. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. But so the, the thing about story that I like is it's not packed too tight. There's room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, theologically problematic today is that people pack their theology so tight that when there's no room for consideration of anything else. Some people's theology is so fundamentalistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did I make my point? Like, yeah, from a, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. From a from a I'm not laughing at you. I'm okay. always laughing at me. I think I think you're right to to claim that there is no interpretation of the gospels or of the of the Bible as a whole is to basically state that God is singularly faceted and he's not. True truly 
we have a God who is able to be your God and is able to be my God, and yet we are different. And so that means by its very nature that he has considered both me and you, and he loves us both regardless of whether or not we agree with the precepts of what he states. Mm. I, think that's, I think that's just true. Now, that doesn't mean we're not, once we, ex- I, we were having this discussion last night, once we accept him as Lord, we are then to be obedient to him. And that obedience is pretty set. You know what I mean? What, what it looks like to fully and properly worship him, that's, that's pretty set in stone. But that does not mean that we live outside, when he has made us, we don't live outside of his love because we don't follow his rules. We live fully inside of his love and then as a response to him are asked to obey his, under his lordship. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So the Bible is this, I think the, I think the scriptures are, they really are like a diamond, fully this incredibly valuable thing. And if you look at it from any angle, you might be able to see something for you in it that others can't see, but it, but he's wide enough and deep enough and, 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 and loving enough to shed light for you and so that you can understand or get a piece of what he has for you. Yeah, I, th- I think the story, um, the, the, whole, the whole argument was that there's so much, um, I, the idea is that I, I, I know God precisely and exactly and it's become a science and a very rationalistic approach. Mm. And that's the dispensation. I mean, dispensationalists do this all the time. They've boiled it down to understanding God through a science. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that way when you read the story. It's a story, and there's elements of mystery and wonder that are left in there. And you can't do that scientifically. You have to tell the story and let people kind of think about it and sit on that for a while and, and figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I think similar to music, you know, we're talking about music, there's something that happens... <coughs> When you listen to a great piece of music that is a combination of these talents, skills coming together, and if you were to pull out just the bass line of a great pop song, you'd be like, oh, what is that? Alone, it doesn't really have any power, but in the in in combination with all the other things, it has a tremendous amount of power. It's It's like this unbelievable thing where you have these people uniting to craft a, a a thing, a one piece of cre- of creation together, and I think that's kind of that is what we're talking about here. It's more, it's much much deeper. Um, you know, I grew up Catholic, and one of the things that I miss in my in my modern contemporary worship environment is the aspects of beauty and reverence that come with participating as an altar boy at a Catholic church. Like the the approach to God, the posture of reverence to God, the fact that I don't know everything, that the beauty is bigger than my understanding. Participation in the mysteries. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Those mysteries, they drive human behavior. They do. They all. They do right now. Like if you're, if you have ever clicked on a piece of clickbait or on a, on a headline that was sensational, it's because you are in love with mystery as a human being. Because that clickbait likely is an unfinished pattern that your human brain needs to finish. You're gonna go to that. You're gonna see that title. It says something like erection pills. Exactly. Well. <laughs> yeah. 
even better than that, perform the way you're supposed to. Yeah. Click here. Make your wife happy once. Exactly. Five different ways to make your wife happy. Yeah. Oh, I could use that. Click. You're trying <laughs> yeah. to you're trying to complete this this thing, this unfinished mystery. Yeah. We have this built into us. So when you know, when you have a piece of music or a piece of art or an uh, environment like a cathedral kind of feeding this mystery into your head, you have this innate desire to want to understand it, to want to dive into it. Eliminating that legitimately eliminates a lot of human desire to complete their effort in finding God. I think it really does. I, I 100% agree. And that's the whole fundamentalist thing. It became a science. Mm. And that's why movements like the Word of Faith movement fell apart. Because mm -hmm. look at COVID-19. What's this supposed to work? We're supposed to rebuke. We're supposed to blow on it. Nope. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. This thing hates heat. <laughs> exactly. He's blowing on it. Oh, it's so true. I think that Deut I like Deuteronomy 29, 29. I'm taking it out of context, but mm. you know, like still look, principle. Yeah. There's revelation. Um, and the thing, you know, the 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 things that have been revealed to us belong to us, right? Mm. So there is there's this there's this both and where there is revelation about God and and uh, I like what Grudem says that we we can't know God exhaustively, but we can know him accurately, mm -hmm. you know? So it is, there's, I can say accurate things about my wife in the same way that I can say accurate things about Joel and inaccurate things about Joel yep. because Joel's revealed himself in his communication to me and God's revealed himself in his communication to me through scripture. But at the same time, I'm not going to ever know Joel exhaustively mm -hmm. or my wife exhaustively, good God, and and definitely, I'll never know God exhaustively either. And there's mystery in there, exactly. You know, but we can say. Um, I remember hearing somebody, uh, a theologian. I can't remember. It was a British theologian, female theologian. She was fantastic. She was a Trinitarian, and she was talking about the Trinity and definitions of the Trinity. And I, I, I probably about a year of my life I spent, you know, on the rabbit hole in the like trying to figure out the Trinity. Um, and she said this. I'm dead serious. I was just like reading everything about the Trinity. Uh, Jürgen Moltmann got me started with his economic trinity. I'm like, this is garbage. And so, you know, I went through the whole... <laughs> so all that to say, I, um, I, she said something that was so profound and it's sort of methodologically stayed with me. She said, there are no perfect definitions of the trinity, but there are better ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is such a... I, I love that posture. It's like, there, there are no... You know, we're never going to grasp the trinity in total comprehension, but we will. there will be better articulations of who the triune God is and how the triune God relates to one another. And we will know that, you know, through scripture. Yeah. Um, but I, I love it. Like it's both end. It's, yep. it's, I can make accurate, I can make accurate statements about God yep. and about his will. And I'm never going to, and there's so much mystery. Yeah. And, and there, it has to be both end. Yeah. There's a, there's a book that's talking about this right now. It's called Evangelical, Pentecostal and Sacramental. Why we should be all three. Hmm. Evangelical, Pentecostal, Pentecostal, and Sacramento. Sacramento. Why we should be all three. Yeah. yeah, I love the city of Sacramento. By the way, it's a beautiful. Yes, city. it is. I've, yeah, their and airport. <laughs> their airport. You know, the food mm. scene is lacking. <laughs> okay. You know. Yes, but you're not far from Napa. That's true. That's true. You know, or yeah. or um, yeah. What's the lake there? What's the lake? Lake Tahoe. You're Tahoe. Right there. Right, Sacramento. Yeah. Sacramento. Yeah, I agree, Nate. There's yeah. there's clear things about that that are very obvious for us. 
what is sin, ways to worship God, like Joel's saying. But there, there's there's that mystery element that. Um, well, I think I think the posture of humility, right? If we're if we are to be believers, we need to be we need to be exemplifying or 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 realizing that there's more for us to learn. If we know all about faith, then we it's then it's impossible for us to be humble. And I think the character of Christ is one that sheds on us or kind of puts on us an understanding that we need to be humble because there is no fully understanding God. There's like, you know, Nate was saying, there's there's a there's a a proper understanding of of precepts of God or understanding the ways he is, his character has been proven over and over and over again. Um, and so we can derive some real understanding about his character, but we can't, we can't fully know everything. That would, that would, that's a ridiculous concept to think that we could fully know who God is, you know? And so, yeah, I pray that he reveals, I guess, as the modern church, do we believe that God is still revealing himself? And if we agree that he is revealing himself, then we are participating. We have to take the posture of humility in that revelation. Well, Aquinas was saying that to, to think that you could figure out God would require the presumption that your mind is made up of the divine essence, because it takes divine essence to comprehend total, full divine essence. And if your mind's not divine essence, then you can't comprehend divine essence fully. And he went as far as saying that even in the eschaton, you're still not going to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. I think God is right. Well, God is still God in heaven. Like we we approach the finality of our life and the fear of mortality best when we understand there is a ruler in heaven who is in control of of whatever happens next. And we, you know, yes, he he may be an emotional being. Yes, he is all intelligent and omnipotent. We do not become God when we die. There is nowhere that we're made to understand that once this is over, we will get all the answers. I really don't think that God intends to give us all the answers ever. I agreed. Mm -hmm. There's no way that I'm, I die. I stand in front of God in my new body, looking like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Bartley Pitt. You know, yeah. Yeah. no erection problems anymore. <laughs> and I look up and I go, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's exactly. Just, I'm not so going to have the so, divine essence. I, I, I will have sinlessness. I'll be glorified, but I'm not going to be made of the same stuff that the triune God made of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's ridiculous to think so. <laughs> totally. I guess. No. I guess maybe that's a false thing. Sometimes we tell our kids is like when they give you like a really tough question, and you're like, "Yeah, that's a that's uh, my joke now is, oh, that's a question for heaven." Yeah. <laughs> I wish Kate. <laughs> like, yeah, George is like, Dad, um, how come I can't have a sandwich? That's a question. No, not that easy. Two questions. Two questions I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the Chestertonian here. I wish Gabe was here to kind of explain this to us a little more. But Chesterton, one of my favorite things he did say in Orthodoxy was that the sane man always has one foot on earth and one foot in fairyland. Mm. He's a mist, he's a wanderer. Yeah. He's constantly thinking. And he says the sane man tries to make the the the, the guy that goes crazy tries to make sense of everything and makes everything confusing. But the guy that accepts mystery, everything becomes clear. Mm -hmm. yep. And I'm like, wow. It's good. It's, it's like, it's just accepting that there is a painter for the picture. And we don't know, and we are in the picture. You know what I mean? We don't know how the, you know, I, I, I look at God's story and the current 
state of the world. And I interpret myself as a pixel in the greater picture. I have value in that. I remove myself from the picture and there's a dead pixel there that's noticeable on a screen somewhere. But ultimately put me in there amongst all of the story, the patterned story that God is bringing forth in the world. And the picture is made whole. But I can't know what the uh, all the other pixels are displaying. I can't possibly know that. And it's just that is how immense the story is. We We in our faith communities very often, we make small the grand, the grand idea of God. We really do. That's what we're doing. When we say, you know, when we say that to our kids, like, you know, it's all going to work out or, or like there's, you know, like God is this, God is these seven or five elements of the reform movement. Yep. You know what I mean? Or this is what the Catholic Church believes, and you need to recite these things this way for this long. And that is who God is. It's like, man, f Lord, would you please guide us down a path where we can have discovery dialogue with each other about who you are into the future because the world needs it. Yeah, it's like the whole thing with the end times. Like I'm talking about how fundamentalists here pack it so, so tight. God's not coming back until something's happening in America. Now we're in the end times. <laughs> so like, <laughs> oh, they're suffering in the U.S.? Oh, this is it? This is the this end. This is the one. Yeah. It's like, go over to Cambodia. They'll tell you a story of the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, of my, one of my friends, he would always, you know, he would uh, preach to his congregation and he'd say something like, if, it, if it's truth, then it's truth here and it's truth everywhere, right? And so, like, if you are suffering through something and you're wondering um, – if it's the end times or um, whether or not you you should consider your your situation above other situations, you're probably being selfish about the thought. You probably do need to consider others as well, you know, and put yourself in someone else's shoes. The best angle on your life is not the one where you are viewing yourself through the lens. Navel gazing is a terrible thing. So, okay, go ahead. I was going to say... Um, <clears throat> I have the next segment after you're ready. Cool. I once heard um, somebody talk about how we're, you're, you're mentioning reverence in the Catholic Church. And I heard somebody talk about how English swear words all had to do with sex. Mm. French swear words had all to do with the church. So I think it's true, except that French swear words have to do with the church within the confines of sex. <laughs> like, like tabernacle. Like, yeah. It's like that's the tabernacle, but you only use that word during sex. Really? Because <laughs> tabernacle is so if you didn't know this, the F word means nothing to French people. Mm -hmm. Tabernacle is the worst thing that you could possibly say in in, in Quebec. In Quebec. In Quebec, certainly. Yeah. 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 It is like it's worse than the F word. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what about never mind. Yeah, no, it's worse than the C word. Okay, yeah, it's worse than it's it's yeah. it's the absolute worst. Now, why is that word so bad? Tabernacle. Yeah, well, what the heck? I think it has to do with the fact that the core of the population in Quebec was. I mean, they are a post-Christian population. Yeah. Um, born out of the Catholic Church movement, right? So there was, or or rather, I would say, uh, state and public-run in, institutions were formulated through the, the Catholic Church movement into Quebec. And so, so um, your whole 
existence was somehow either controlled or influenced by the church, whether you were in school or where, whether you were, um, you were participating. It was highly participant in the Catholic Church, right. right? So if you wanted to insult the world, if you wanted to deride the world, if you wanted to talk about how terrible things were, you would just swear the th with the thing that was the most impactful thing you could be mad at. Interesting. Being mad at God is the worst thing you can be mad at. Right. So, 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 okay. So, so, for example, you know, you say, Joel, that the that France or Quebec mm -hmm. rather is, and the French-speaking peoples, we'll say Manitoba and you know New Brunswick, wherever, you know, living in <laughs> in the Maritimes. Um, these folks are post-Catholic, mm -hmm. but this is what's hilarious is that they are deeply Catholic. And what I mean by that is, is like they'll say tabernacle, and that is their that is the worst swear word. They yeah. still think that that's the worst thing that you could say for sure. And I I have a sneaking suspicion that when they say tabernacle, it's not that they don't believe in God. It's that they resent Him. Like they resent the church, yeah, wow, and and that there's a there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a little like at the, at the bottom, like if the plane is going down at their bottom, they're angry at God, they're angry at the church. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not that they don't they and and they, you know, so in spite of his resistance, they're swearing at him, mm -hmm. and that's like the French spirit. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that there's this there's this Davidic approach to airing your concerns to God about what's going on. A very Job-like approach, which is like, does this really need to be this way? You know what I mean? That, that, that a, a certain righteous anger, like, I know how to do this better than you do. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, anger at God. And I think that's, I think that's true of most human beings. We just, we just have different language for it. But, um, but if you think about even the English swears, yeah. if you think about the F-bomb, yeah. It is, it is taking something that is sacred, and 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 defiling it, right? Through through passing angry language, right? So I would say I would suggest like even in the English language, the use the use of of the f bomb is a is a middle finger to God, an ang an angry posture towards God. Oh. What are some other swears in French? Zoot, <laughs> zoot that dog is more like uh, it's not even. It's more like a darn or like a. You know what I mean? It's not like. Okay. <laughs> uh, there are some. There are some sexual ones. Some sex reference swear words. They're not. They're not English. That they're, I'm not. They're not. Yeah, they're not English ones. Like there's. Yeah, I, is I can't, the word? I can't. Is I the word um, I'm frog a, offensive? Frog? Yeah. I mean, only in this. Only That's if for you, French people from France, though. Yeah. We don't really call Quebecers frogs. No, that's true. I think there's oh yeah. <laughs> I like I can't use it would I feel terrible when I swear. Like I actually have a certain amount of, of remorse sure. afterwards. So I'm not gonna use swear words from the French language here because yeah. I actually Can uh, you write them down? <laughs> so I'll that you can them. repeat them? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> He's like literally he just writes them down. <laughs> Try and pronounce them. Like in misery, remember he. Like in misery, mm. <laughs> that's a meme though. That is a meme. Have you read this book, Killer Church by Nathan Finachayo? Ah oh, man, it is truly one of the most impactful books I have never read.
Do it. Thank you. Okay, you guys ready for the next segment? Yeah. We have a hard stop, by the way. Okay. I learned that language from Joel OJ. Hard stop? Hard stop is like in 30 minutes. Great. Cool. Star 67. Ooh. Let's get Joel to just go to town. So French. I feel like the whole Dungeon and Dragons thing, Bob Larson's ministry, yeah. is quite fitting at this point. <laughs> what is it? Who's Bob Larson? Yeah. The, the Deliverance guy. He was the guy that uh, started the satanic panic over Dungeons and Dragons. Really? Yeah. Oh, he he, Bob Larson, uh, how do we get in contact? Maybe Bob Larson Ministries. I don't know if he has a um, a site you can call in. He's, he's kind of an ancient ministry. No. No? No. Okay, so Star 67 is where we prank call someone. Okay. Yeah. Love it. So I figured maybe you could be um, your French, either either do it in French or to be um, Felfer's software. <laughs> oh, you know what we should do is we should we should we should have Joel. We'll star sixty seven him to a Canadian pastor, and he can pretend to be a French pastor, trying to invite like an English pastor to to, to, to speak. Yeah, to speak in in like Northern Ontario. Yo, should we do a friend pastor then? Yeah, like absolutely. like um, Matt Tapley. We could do Tapley. <gasps> we could do. I know Matt. We could do Justin <laughs> Reimer. Oh, let's yes. Or we could do uh, Jake and Mullen. Let's do Jake and. Okay, let's yeah, do Jake and. Okay, give me. That. <laughs> okay, Jake and is a pastor in in Alberta. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the details of your event? Um, so, um, uh, my name is uh, pa- Pastor Jacques Loutier from uh, from Eglise Nouvelle Vie in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm here. I'm calling because I man, we're putting on the best. We're putting on the best conference in the world. Yeah. And 100 strong. Oh, there are, there's going to be at least like 91, 90 to 150 people there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and plus the, plus, plus the youth group from the, the two churches over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah. And okay. So wait, 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 let's, let's go through this. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. So that's who he is. Yep. He's calling in. And then what's it called? Um, um, it's called Enflammé, which oh, means yeah, <laughs> no, he's he's on this. fire. Yeah, Enflammé. Enflammé. <laughs> and and yeah. you tell him. Yeah. Yeah. And just say you were highly recommended. Um, uh, I don't know. Just okay. What, 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 what would be like the, the absolute like, oh, I'm not really interested in coming moment. Yeah. You got you to gotta um, build into something. It came, it came in Montreal because Montreal's cool. Yeah, it's got to be in like okay, in, Kirkland, Kirkland, in Kirkland Lake in Timmins, Cochrane. Yeah, in Cochrane. Yeah, okay. Is that Ontario or yeah? yeah it's in it's in Ontario. It's like almost Ontario. up to Sudbury. I think so. It's if maybe... we do if we do Kirkland Lake, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like seven hours north of Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, tell them that. <laughs> So you can fly into Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, you can fly. You fly into Sault Ste. Marie, and then we'll taxi you from the airport in Kirkland Lake. It's about a seven-hour drive up north. <laughs> okay, invite him. What's the worst time to go? February. Yeah, in, in February. <laughs> so February is the worst. Them. It's going to be so like, called. So bring bring your bring your your snowsuit. Oh, you know, because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do an outreach on the Saturday. So like the local Native Americans or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll go First to the Nations. It, we'll go to the cold. First Nations Reserve and and we'll just we'll have a a, a barbecue up in the park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in Northern Ontario. <laughs> okay. okay, you guys okay. ready? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Oh my gosh. Yep. And then just give them a bogus email, you know, and just and then just end the call or whatever.
Jaken. Jaken. Hi, this is Dr. Jaken Mullen from Hope. Did you star 67? No. So so he so he could should I try again? Yeah, try again. Yeah, try again. Yeah. yeah. Always try the second time. <laughs> By the way, he's in Red Deer and you know him somehow. Okay. Like maybe your <coughs> yeah, spiritual yeah. fathers or Oh, okay. Or Art Canada. Art 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 Art, Art. Canada. Yeah. Okay. Tell him that you Hello? Uh, hello? Is, uh, hello? Is this Pastor Jacob? Yes, who is it? Uh, this is uh, uh, Pastor Jacques Cloutier. I'm calling from Kirkland Lake, uh, Église Nouvelle Vie. Uh, uh, wondering if... Uh, so, this is Jacob, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, Pastor Jacob, uh, we run a little... Um, program in, in uh, Northern Ontario. It's called, uh, it's called Enflamme, um, which is like a, a youth retreat. Um, <laughs> sorry, a little bit of a cough. Um, and we're, we, you know, we get the, it's, it's north, just north of, uh, of Sault Ste. Marie. It's uh, about seven hours north in, in Kirkland Lake. And uh, we're, it's in February. And we're wondering, you know, if we, we've got maybe about 60 or 70 youth from our, from our, from our church, plus the, the native church down around the corner and wondering if perhaps you'd, you'd consider coming and speaking with us. Possibly. What, um, have we met before? Uh, yeah, well, you would, you, you probably would not remember me, but I was at the arc, uh, arc, um, I forget what it's called now. I'm sorry. My English is so bad. Um, in uh in calgary that's right in, in calgary I, yeah i remember you oh yeah, great i remember you um yeah we sorry the connection seems a little bit bad but um yes we we'd really um i mean we we so enjoyed your your time there and we would would love if you could you know can i can i get your email and maybe send you some details yeah i think that's the best thing to do um my email is now it's, that's that's Mullen with M U L L I N. Ian. Oh, Ian. Ian. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, thanks. Um, okay, so just a just a few more details. You know, like we've we're probably gonna gonna go uh, out. This is in February. It's the the best time of the year for us to be able to do some um, some maple syrup popsicles. Oh, cool. Sorry. <clears throat> and. Uh, still there sorry it's just really sorry the connection up here is so bad no worries um so uh then Say, hey, the connection oh. went out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. oh my god. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't. I 
you are an unbelievable person. <laughs> the best part. The best part. Jacob is such a sweetheart. So he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Oh, that is so amazing. He is so nice. <laughs> oh, God. Doesn't, doesn't want him to feel, to feel bad. It's the best, the best time of year. The best time of the year for maple popsicles. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. oh my lord almighty. His his church has a ministry to like a, a um like so they're in Red Deer, Alberta, which is like two hours north of Calgary. Yep. And his church and it's in between Calgary and Edmonton. And they have a ministry they have a ministry funny. to like a local, like a Muscogee Muscogee or something like native um First Nations. Yep. Um People's like they like so like I spoke at their thing um earlier this year and they brought this whole tribe of kids. And so he's like super like if you say First Nations, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your name? Uh, Jacques Cloutier. How do you spell that? Uh, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. <laughs> like the proper Jacques. Yeah, Jacques. Cloutier is C-L-O-U-T-I-E-R. C L O U T I E Jacques Cloutier. Isn't that the Pink Panther Panther's name? Jacques Clouseau. He's uh, Clouseau. 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 Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next segment. <laughs> yeah. Meme, I, meme review. I I've screamed laughing during one of those, and you could hear it in the mic, and it kind of got yeah. thrown off. I yeah. was shaking. I couldn't. <laughs> What was so making good. you laugh? I just, I, I, I was just imagining these kids going out for cups. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I was like, I, in my mind, I was like, the event was happening, you know? <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Just in case anybody knows, if you are a pastor in Canada, you know, strike one. Okay. Because Canada's cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just cold. It's like living in Canada is just strike one. If you're a pastor in Canada, it's really a strike two. It's like, you make no money. Mm. People hate you. Hey. Right? Like being a pastor in Canada is awful because Canadians just you think, fight so much. Oh, totally. You fight the culture, you fight the weather, yeah. you fight. Yeah. And Canadian Christians are literally awful to each other. <laughs> and, and then number three, on top of all that, you get invited to other Canadian Christian churches. And that's what really hurts. Mm. <laughs> but that shows how beauty of a person uh, totally. Jake yeah, he, is. he would go, yeah. But it's like, I mean, oh my gosh, dude. I have the craziest <laughs> stories. The craziest stories that I have of traveling is in Canada. Oh, yeah. Same here. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, dude, you played 302 years. You know what Christian church, the Canadian churches are like. Yeah, absolutely. They give you $50 and you sleep in like the pastor's daughter's bedroom. Yeah. I'm in the bunk beds. <laughs> Got a spam call. Do you know what I mean? You pick it up. Put it up. Um. Hello. Hello, Mr. Bummer. Hi. Hi. This is Olivia from Medicare Provider. Oh, hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. This is Olivia from Medicare Provider. I'm calling today regarding the new Medicare card. Did you receive the new one or not yet? Um, I don't know if I got the new one, but I've been having trouble with my bum. I think I have an infection. 
in my rear end. <laughs> spam Chris calls. Is getting a real. He gets, he gets spam calls like every hour, and they're we always have to answer them. And they're always during the thing, and I always. Spam call? Is it an annoyance or is it an opportunity? Yeah. Amen. Right. Turning it into an opportunity from an annoyance is a real gift. Exactly. It's a spiritual. I gift. don't get Medicare. I don't know what this was about. Yeah, I was going to say that wasn't our new healthcare, was it? Oh. Stephen okay. Stephen Furtick, set back or set up? Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Lay back Stephen. or lay up. Lay back, or lay up, or lay down. Is this a lay up or a lay down? Okay, meme meme review. Meme review. Okay, okay. Joel, Mm -hmm. is there any uh, any memes have you seen that made you laugh in the last little bit? Um, gosh, this is my favorite. Egalitarian pastors on a Sunday with you like that, Joel? They're just like, oh, I'm so into you, hon. Our church is growing. Oh, who's the best pastor ever? Okay, I got some laughs on the meme page recently. I love the pastor's sunshine. Oh, the worship at Lance Waldo's Seven Mountains Conference? That was pretty good. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I have to bring this one up. When the preacher tell everyone you got healed, but you still hurting like an MF. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. I like I like pastors' kids this Halloween trying to trick their dad into spending time with them. Kids Genius. dressed up like a ba- like a like, like a, a Bible. Bible. <laughs> he finally looked Daddy. at me. Oh, oh did you man. see this one? Daddy. Oh man! <laughs> Jesus, looking. <laughs> oh, I like that yes. one. That was pretty good. I like this one. I need to <clears throat> I need to leave church as soon as it's over. Starter kit. It's got a pot roast the guy sleeping football. <laughs> uh, it's too accurate. So good. <laughs> it was a pretty good week in memes. Mm. It was a good week in memes. It was a good mm. week. All right, what's our last seg- segment? Last rant. Um, we can do the last rant. Yeah, the last rant is the last rant. Beyond no. to piak. Yeah, beyond to piak. Do you have any beyond to piak? Bones to pick. Mm. Yeah, I constantly have bones to pick. Yeah. Would you like to piak um. one? Sure, let's pick one. Yeah. Um, I have a bone to pick with uh, with anyone who is um, who brings attention to. I mean, is this the kind of thing you're talking about? Like, who brings attention to differences rather than than um, trying to unify things? We're trying. We're trying to. You know, I'm the chief growth officer for a ministry in Canada, and we're non denominational, right? So yeah. we have a plethora of different people across the organization and serve the the church broadly in Canada. So um, I have a bone to pick with folks who are trying to divide rather than bring together. I mean, I think we're already fighting a cultural battle, believers versus, especially in Canada, believers versus the secular world and secularism as a whole. And it's a really, really great tactic that I think is a spiritual tactic that's used against the church to to basically um, bring about division through the nitpicking of doctrine. Right. I think it's a massive, massive way to to slow down the movement of the church. Give me Canada. an example. What are some nitpicking? Yeah. Do you have a bone to pick with is it, CSU? Is it doctrine or is it like so sociological? 
You ever notice it's like it's not about like the Trinity or like something like that's important. You know, mm. it's like, <clears throat> you know, I just didn't like the way that they portrayed Jesus. Yeah. You know, there's no cross at Crossroads anymore. <laughs> Where's the cross? You know what Let's I mean? Put the cross back in so built the building was sold at Crossroads to to pay off debt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And one of the first things that happened was the cross was taken down. Right. And there's a, you know, it was like one of the first things that we heard from people was like, is there, there's no cross there anymore. Right. <laughs> now they call it 10, Hunt, 10 Huntley Street. <laughs> yeah. It's just not holy just, enough to be 100 Huntley. Yeah. <laughs> we need you guys to 10x that, you know? <laughs> um, so that there's that. There's also things like... I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I have a bone to pick with people who bring down major music church movements because they don't theologically agree with a lyric inside of a song. Right. Um, I agree that there should be some theological basis for what we put into the mouths of our congregants. Sure. I, I really do believe that. Sure. But I also believe that to our earlier conversation about n- narrative and storytelling, that the interpretation of words, the moving of words out of a human being's mouth, very often is like worship may be the first thing that comes out of a non-believer's mouth as a confession to God of their need. So when it comes down to like really, really getting the words right, I can't tell you how how many times I've written a song that probably isn't theologically sound. And I don't know that it's the best thing for, um, for the church to to dismiss the a whole movement outright just because of one theological theological totally, misgiving. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not singing Hillsong anymore because I, I heard that like K Love is like they've removed Hillsong from all, all their of, playlists. All of their playlists. Really? So, yeah. Because they won't they, they don't like the word Hillsong. So apparently they like <clears throat> if they play Oceans, it's Taya. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's re- that's to me is crazy. That's stupid. That's cancelish. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, yeah it's stupid. Just, it's another it's another aspect of woke culture. It's Sorry. just like if if we if we see any moral any any moral question about what's going on and whether it's doctrinal or or kind of an an action that's happened in your life, we are the arbiters of your success. Yeah. And that's to me that's terrible. But wouldn't you I think the problem though is like if if all the songs go unchecked theologically, you have massive movements that are, have the most influence in in worship and in churches that are putting garbage songs let's, in the mouths of the people. Let's think but that's about not what Joel's saying. Let's think about that for a second what you just said. Like you're you're stating that because one song has a lyric, no, a ton of songs. Be, okay. So let's imagine that that was the case. That there's a ton of songs and we're not just talking about three or four songs that are like core songs, but we're talking about a ton of songs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the church as a whole, and I'm talking church capital C, would actually use those those songs in those churches just because this other one music movement decided that song was good enough to put on a record? I don't think pastors internationally who are leading their churches are just going to put a song on the list or allow a song to be played on a list if they don't actually believe that that song is true. Yeah, it's true. I you think, know what I mean? I think that's mostly true. I think most pastors are pretty nitpicky about songs. I guess it's just the themes that are, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the themes. The themes have the themes. It's the Bless Me God songs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like there, there's just way too many of those. It's just I, the, fo- the focus is just. And on. I believe in Bless Me God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in that. I, I, I believe that Jesus came. That we'd have life and life to the fullest. And I think that includes now. 
you know, and I, I think that the song, the blessing is actually a great freaking song. Mm. And it's just the Bible that you're literally singing, you know, but it's like, um, you know, Cody and I, Cody and Carrie Job sing a lot more other songs than just bless me. God songs. That, you know, I mean, Cody literally has a song that says, I'm not here for blessings. It's not a Cody issue, Yeah, but there yeah, is like a, yeah. there is a, um, there is a, um, there is like a larger, there's a larger thing at play. I think in even the evangelical, particularly in America, where it's like all the songs are just about me. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think that's or many, true. Many of the songs. Are yeah. Funny. I think it's true that we have to watch the posture of our hearts yeah. when we're writing songs, when we're singing songs, when we're adding songs to our set lists. Yeah. Like where? What are we saying? But I would. I mean, I don't know what's in people's hearts. Yep. But I would wager. <laughs> I shouldn't. But I would wager that most worship leaders who are serving in their churches yeah. are trying to do something that is appropriate for their community sure. to the best of their abilities. Yeah. Okay, which leads me to my rant. This is my bone to pick. Worship leaders that talk too much. Mm. Okay, I, I can go. It, I don't have to stay. No, I, I can want just. You, le- I want you to stay here okay, <laughs> just, because I'm looking at you. No, not on podcast. Okay. okay, so here's the deal. During worship. Yeah, during worship, exactly. Mm. So it's like you're up there. Have you ever been in the worship service with these people? It's like, just sing the song, dude. Like, you literally, like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. Like, <clears throat> dude, don't pray in between every single... Have you ever been in a service where it's like, in between every single song, the worship leader's like, God, that really is the cry of our heart. <laughs> and then we'll just, like, summarize what we just sang. It's like, dude, we just sang that for four minutes. Like, You're, you're literally... That is what I do. Stop. You do not. That's every single time I lead worship, I have to put in as much time for my for my diatribe as I do for the songs. It's the only way I bring any value. <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> no, Joel, just, YouTube's no, no. Joel OJ leading worship. Yeah. No, it's is like, this true? No, it's not. <laughs> Don't, no, seriously. Like They'll get up and they're like, hey, guys, I just, you know, today I was reading my Bible. It's like, no, you weren't. Um, <laughs> You know, this morning as I was doing, you didn't do your devotions this morning, dude. You woke up in a panic. You were late. You got your butt here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's just, you know, there's this psalm that is called the Shepherd Psalm. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I just think that we need to, like, really tell God he's welcome here. Just, no, no just stop. <laughs> Somebody turn his mic off. MD, can you please start the click already? Yeah. <laughs> Fire the next track. I think that's where MDs are really powerful people. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you have a music director who knows the worship leader and they're really good at it, they'll know like, oh, guys, a click's coming in. We're going into the first verse. Exactly. (laughs) Shut this guy up. Here we go. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it it is, that's probably my, (laughs) yeah, exactly. First, two, three. Four. That was actually the sound right there. <laughs> That's that crappy reused multi track like Beyond Pack. I'm taking it a different way here. I, yeah, mean, take it. Yeah. I, I think that too many establishments play pop music when you walk in. Hmm. So true. I am so tired of going to eat, going shop, yep. going anywhere, and I got to listen to the top 40. Yeah. Dude, I was at. Um, a, Can't a, stand it. Like, I was play at, something like subtle. Like, why does it always got to be, you know. Yeah. Taylor Swift in my ear. You know? yeah. I, I took my alcoholic wife to Wines and Spirits yesterday mm. in Franklin, and they were playing Smooth by, by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. <laughs> and I was like, this, this you, is what I needed. You. <laughs> you know, There's a, yeah. the, the, the Starbucks 
on Hillsborough. It's the nicest Starbucks. It's nice. In my opinion, it's the coffee shop I go to here in the area. I've been mm. to all of them. I'm not a coffee snob. I do like that Starbucks. Every hour of every day, if I go at 8.30 in the morning, if I go at 10 p.m. at night or 8 o'clock at night, they're playing disco, 70s disco. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yes. You know, a, a very white. Starbucks music is no. actually typically pretty good. Mm. I mean, it's like if you were to go in there one time, you wouldn't notice it. But if you go sometimes, you know, at HQ, it's like, I, I got to go out. I got to go work somewhere. And I go there. Imagine sitting there every time hearing the same disco song. Like, play something. Okay. And I will, can I just say this, though? And this is, uh, sorry, I'm just jumping in here. Yeah. But you got, you know, Alvino did flow. But now my 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 brain is just working. Mm. New Taylor Swift record. Oh. Haven't heard it. Yo, okay. this is brainwaves. This Same. is my, this was about to be my bone beyond okay. yeah, Go, go ahead, go ahead. Ten. I haven't heard it, but really, that it's the that the t- top ten songs, top ten Billboard. I just Billboard literally pulled it up. Are Taylor Swift songs? Yeah, dude. I haven't heard it, and I already know that that is a load of BS. And yeah. it's a commentary on the music. On industry. the music biz- industry, exactly. It's like, dude, this is why this is why I can't even take anything that's happening right now seriously anymore, because it's like there are no, no, yeah, no. like, yeah, honesty has been thrown out no, the it's window. Totally gone. Exactly. It's like, oh, this T is Swift. business to its to, to, to so the T. Taylor Swift, she is the she. I mean, they created her. And she has given back to them, right? So she's yeah. like, she's like every she she clicks she she yeah. checks all of the PC things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She checks all you know women power feminist yeah. hate yeah. man hater get my own tracks. Nah, 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 nah. Not, no, I I will I'm never going to listen to it. Yeah, I mean play it around. <clears throat> okay, this is funny. I, I wanted to bring this up because I listened to it the first time and uh, didn't quite understand it. I'm I'm on my I'm about to do my third listen through. Yeah. And it's actually growing on me. Yep. Is it good? But I have some Beyonce to pick with it. Yeah, what's your Beyonce to pick? It's very disjointed. Like it's 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 like it's if what you just described without having heard it, it's like you put this into a machine and then the machine it's like those AI drawings. Have you seen AI drawings? I yeah. use them constantly. Yeah. It's I like an AI them. drawing oh, record. Spammers. <clears throat> Hello? Hello? May I speak to Susan? Yes, is this Olivia? (laughs) (laughs) That's a chick that called me earlier. That's my mom's name, by the way. Nice. They're calling me for my mom. I don't know how that works. (laughs) Yeah, so it sounds like AI-generated music. Yeah, kind of like it's... It's, some of it's really catchy, and there's some cool stuff and well, some great sonic moments and all this pop. stuff. It's gonna be yeah. pop. It's pop. You know, it's like it's like, it, like it's almost too disjointed. I don't know. This is my first. I, I guess my issue is once again, I'm enjoying it. Once, once again, okay, it's a Taylor Swift record, so of course there's gonna be some decent songs and there's gonna be some decent harmonies and some decent <coughs> storytelling. And of course, yeah, I know that that's there. Yeah, but it's like this is what you've done to music mm. that you so hate. Great music. You so hate rock and roll. You so like chased the Tim Christensen's and and the Brandon Flowers and all these other people so far out yeah. of wanting to be a musician anymore. You know what I mean? And create something meaningful that and and, and you do this and you crown this this like predictable garbage. It's like no. And I, there's got to be interpol like 
like there's insider trading here as well. Oh yeah. To be the I top mean, ten. There's yeah. well, it's not it's not all that different from the last Drake record dropping and oh, Spotify yeah. basically giving him the front page of everyone's really? Spotify yeah, 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 page. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's positioning. it's that. It's, posi- it, yeah. it's positioning. I have I have a friend, I have a friend who is an artist, and my friend knows the person who does all of the Spotify playlists. And my friend drops a song. And the song goes number two on the Spotify playlist. And that's how it works. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not that he deserved to be on the list. Yeah. Even though it was a great song, is that it was positioning. It's, like, not, it's not a it's not a democratization of music. No. It's not a it's so not the, a the best isn't going on the playlist. Mm-mm. People who know people mm-hmm. are getting on the playlist. Mm-hmm. And that is probably what's a little bit frustrating, and I think this is what Elon Musk is getting at, and he's trying to change Twitter. Yeah, you know, I love the the, the last couple of tweets that the that uh, the White House have d- has done. Instead of fact checking, because fact checking is such BS, mm-hmm. he goes, "Well, other readers are saying that there's some missing context here, and it wasn't it wasn't fact checking. It's just uh, it's a conglomerate. Apparently, he's creating a council for all of the." Um, for content moderation and stuff like that, where it's not just a bunch of people who think the same, but it's going to be a diverse group who are going to decide who stays on Twitter and who doesn't. And these diverse group will include people on the left, people on the right, people in the center. You know what I mean? Soccer moms, you know, right. feminazis, all of them. I dream, I dream of the day, dream of the day when we can have dialogue and and dialogue in its true sense where there are two opposing views coming to a place of discussion, having a sharing of ideas that then can somehow transmutate into the other person's mind a little bit. Like that exchange is actually kind of what civil society is built upon. Absolutely. Got to be, you know, um, uh, my only other bone to pick was Lavender Haze. The first song on the tra- on the mm. record is a direct rip of Maggie Rogers' Alaska song. Interesting. I, see, I haven't heard the whole record yet. I've heard Antihero, which I yeah. quite liked on first listen. It's, it's catchy, man. Yeah. I saw a funny tweet the other day, and I thought it was really true. It said, <laughs> I listen to the same 10 songs every day, and they hit. That's <laughs> so relatable. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. It's oh like, my goodness. You go. You go through that rotation of ten. You have about ten songs, and you may listen to one that's outside of that, but you're coming back to those ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I like. I do. So true. I do hate that there are stellar artists that live outside the scope of marketability, who deserve to be really recognized. True. But you know, we need I, it. Like music needs it. Like I, I need to know who those people are. I don't even know where to look anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like if I, if I go on, like Spotify keeps just <laughs> suggesting crap to me. Yeah. Like Apple keeps on suggesting crap to me. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like I know that there's great music out there. Why do I have to like? I don't you're, buy you're, it. You're not yeah. letting me find it. Do yeah. you? Do you want me to play you? Yes. My best song I've ever written. Yes. And the backstory is that he played this for the weekend. Uh, oh yeah, Abel. in in his apartment in Toronto at his penthouse suite. Ooh, it sounds good. Right. I got a mic hidden down there. Do you really? Honey, Dan. 
dance with me Cause you know I'll be Leaving soon Honey Laugh with me Cause that's what I need To get me I don't need the stars As pretty as they are To get me through the night I'd rather have you right beside me Honey, oh honey Honey Yeah, I know it's early But come with me, baby Pack your bags, but hurry Cause I want you beside me And I need you beside me You're my lady And I need you Oh, I need you And I don't need the stars As pretty as they are To get me through the I'd rather have you right beside me, hey, honey, oh, honey, oh, honey. Do you have that? Is that like on iTunes? Can I? Not yet. It's not been recorded. It's never been released. Okay, you guys want to hear the best song I've ever written? Yes. Okay, here we go. I just want to say, Joel, when I get married one day, I'm, I'm going to hire you to play that when my bride walks down the aisle. Nice! I, I'm serious. Like, I'm about to cry right now. Dude. Like, I'm moved. Thank you. Frankenstein. Mm. Frankenstein. <laughs> You don't have to be Frankenstein. I love this one. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Don't 
Take my car. Mm. Don't crash it. Don't burn it. Don't take my car. Don't crash it. Mm -hmm. You can't crash a cat. You're Frankenstein. You're stupid if you think that you could crash a cat. You freaking idiot. You're not even a human. Oh, don't start crying, Mr. Frankenstein. 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 You're not a human. Nobody likes you. Frankenstein. Mary Shelley was right. This was her point the whole night. The villagers are here and nobody wants you around. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I did. If someone were to give yeah, you a topic, I got thrown out. If someone were to give you a random topic, could you just jam about it off like impromptu? Yep, 100%. The only problem is we have a hard stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being on the show, Joel Og. Thank mm. you, Joel Og. Yeah. You're quite welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, je. Joel Auger, is there another? No. Shall we wait for another, or is Joel Auger the Messiah we've all been waiting for? Personally, I think he is. And I also think that you knew that I would say that. But I'll, here's the thing. Let me tell you about Joel, okay? Joel's the kind of guy that you want in the room with you when you're playing pool. Because every shot is a money shot. Nice. And here's the thing. I heard one time Joel Auger was hunting and a wild mountain goat came up to him and said, Joel, can you sing like me? And Joel said, I can sing better. And so they had a singing contest, him and the wild mountain goat. And the wild mountain goat was so inflamed with jealousy and envy of Joel's voice. It's true. This is all true. That the wild mountain goat attacked him with a herd of other wild mountain goats yeah. behind. Mm. And Joel single-handedly killed all of them with his voice. He had, he, his voice turned into a superpower, like Cyclops' eyes. Well, that was his voice. And, and that's why we love him, because he has that kind of power. Pure. Pure. Oh!